0: From KIOS in Omaha, you're listening to Riverside Chats. I'm Maria Corpus, and today I'm talking to musician and recording engineer Keith Roger, who performs under the name Kethro, about the state of Omaha's local music scene.
1: These people, like in these cities, are doing a really good job on finding this talent. We can really see that far in the future when it comes to this music stuff. Like, we have the the best key players in the game i really do feel that way and we just need to be seen in her that's it give us a chance
0: <laughs> stay tuned for our conversation after this break
2: we have a lot of hours of content here on riverside chats now Our backlog has over 100 episodes, we're expanding into live events, and we have an exciting future for the show that we hope to be able to get to you. To make the show as good as it can be, and to continue to give you the kinds of conversations that you listen for, the reason why you subscribed in the first place, to hear coverage of arts, ideas, politics whatever it is that brings you here every time, please consider becoming a supporter of the show by making a sustaining monthly donation of $1, $5, whatever you can afford, and really whatever you think the show is worth, which maybe is zero. In which case, ouch, but okay. If you are interested in becoming a supporter, please look in the podcast notes. There should be a link in there that you can find that gives you all the information you need. Otherwise, thank you for considering supporting the show, and more, more importantly, thank you for listening.
0: Welcome to Riverside Chats. I'm Maria Corpus. Keith Roger is a musician, producer, and audio engineer who performs as Kethro. Roger has made a name for himself in the music industry while based in his hometown of Omaha. In 2014, he started touring as an engineer with The Faint, Tuxedo, and CeeLo Green. He honed his craft as a DJ and sound designer at local outlets, including 89.7 The River, Make Believe Studios, and the Bemis Center for Contemporary Arts, where he helped establish the performance space Low End in 2022. Today, he's talking about the Omaha music scene, how it can grow, and how it's changed since the COVID pandemic. Here is my conversation with Keith Roger. Let's dig into your expertise, which is the music scene here in Omaha. Yes. But not just Omaha, really, it spans across decades and across Mm -hmm. the world. Um, And you've had many roles in the music world. So let's just take a little deep dive into your journey as a musician, as an engineer, and kind of walk us through. Did you start out being a DJ?
1: I picked up music very early as a child. Uh, I had a neighbor who was very musical. Few neighbors that were musical. My family was always very musical. Um, I would, I would say they were like selectors in a way. They loved the deep dive of music and studying music, but not, not to play it just to enjoy it. So, um, uh, my mother and I would talk about like info on CDs and who produced tracks and stuff like that. She's very knowledge- knowledgeable about certain artists like Prince and, um, wu Clan and just like Parliament Funkadelic and like all these really unique artists. My mother had me really young so I think having a parent in her 20s and watching her grow up, her music tastes were also like really really cool, really dope and like she was always searching for something new. So um, I guess that's, that was the start but I started playing music and DJing at the same time like learning notation and theory and playing instruments like bass, guitar, and piano.
0: Can and you read DJing. me sheet music?
1: Not so much anymore. I was studying a lot in, like in high school and then I wanted to play punk rock and it was kind of irrelevant. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love asking musicians that because I yeah. feel like it's really, I can never guess if people have actually learned sheet music or if yeah. they just learned from listening.
1: Yeah, I, it was a little bit of both. Like I really try to take it serious but um, I I wish I would have because I started playing a lot more with jazz musicians as of recently and that's my biggest regret because I can't read charts or understand a lot of that stuff. But luckily they're very patient people so (laughs) I can catch up. Um, I won't ever play in a band per se but when it comes to producing tracks and stuff, I wish I knew that language. But when I was a kid I just wanted to like play really loud music really fast and just scream like most children want to (laughs) do. um and that's a healthy
0: way to get out all the feelings as a preteen teenager
1: yeah and i guess like the djing side got to like express that music that i couldn't make you know music made with like drum machines and synthesizers and instruments i couldn't have and there's always songs i really really liked and so I, it was always a dream to like play my roller rink across the street where i grew up or my high school dance skate party. days. skate days i grew up really <laughs> close to there Yes. I spent my Fridays there. That was like th- my culture, like learned how to skate. I learned how to talk to people and communicate, you know, um, some of my best and worst, worst experiences as a child were, were in that building.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm
1: pretty sure we've crossed paths at some point.
0: On the roller rink.
1: On the roller <laughs> rink. Like if you've been there between X year and X year, I'm not going to say how loud, but I think our generations crossed at some point.
0: Oh yeah. yeah. I believe it.
1: And probably many people in Omaha. You saw a kid with an afro just firing circles around the rink to like drum and bass music. That was probably me. Yeah.
0: I love that image.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Um, So you've also toured with some of my favorite musicians here in Omaha. How did you kind of um, go from playing here locally in Omaha to going on the road? And how was that transition for you?
1: That was um, so DJing. I really got in the mix like with Jang. I took that really seriously growing up and I've always wanted to kind of play in the clubs and I got put on to some really great, wonderful groups and people, parties and such. And one party in particular uh, that I played was ran by a couple guys from the band called The Faint. And um, they gave me a chance to play a gig with them and I kind of like did a lot more than play the gig. I knew how to like help run the event and new technical stuff or whatever. I think Todd saw like um, something in me and asked me to go on tour with him and be um, a tech for the band. And that kind of just, you know, spiraled into all everything that I do today. So I got to thank the faint for really putting me on. But yeah, I did um, a few tours with them across the United States. We did some international stuff and it's definitely a huge learning curve because before then I didn't really know much. But I've also was um, studying to be a recording engineer and I wanted to work in studios. So that was a good um, parallel because I got to learn about the live aspects of it as well. Um, So I picked that up on my journey Was doing the live engineering thing from time to time and teching and going back into the studio. It was like this really wild lifestyle. And when people in the studio found out like I did the live thing too, it was nice. They always wanted me to tag along with them on the road or do a, do a few shows with them here and there and so the relationships are always really cool um, but I, I'm definitely more of a studio rat I'll be honest like the, the live touring thing you gotta be a certain human I, I think you know that you've toured a few times and we have a mutual friend that's like that's the ultimate tour master is what I call him <laughs> um, but he's built for that I'm, I'm just not I'm more of a in the cave kind of person um, but yeah touring with like uh the faint tuxedo a couple of shows of CeeLo Green all really great people and I'd still work for them any day yeah it was all a really great time and um I learned so much stuff the faint guys are just like wealths of knowledge It was kind of like going to live uh like touring school with them because they're just so technically technical savvy like they can easily run it themselves but they need extra hands like if they had four arms, they'd be fine
0: So when when did you make the switch from being on the road to really diving in to being a studio rat?
1: Yeah. uh, I definitely would say I started out in the studio first. Uh, There's a company in town that that launched around 2011-12 called Make Believe, and I was um, working pretty closely with them, and when I still do to this day. Um, So touring was just kind of like the side or the second job of of that. Um, I was touring a lot at – some point but i was definitely spending more time in the studio and and working on projects with that team um and it's definitely had a few variations over the years but um it's a very very solid workspace here i would say it's like a it's like a compound. <laughs> I was going to say
0: you walk in to the just the gate and you're like, where am I in Omaha?
1: Yeah, it's a wild place.
0: And I loved it when I would just come to the studio and just see, be like a little kid in a candy shop. Mm-hmm. Just It just seems like that's exactly where you need to be. E- yeah. Expressing yourself in that way, helping other people express themselves mm-hmm. while also adding with your experience to their projects.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love finding sounds and making things sound better for people and just having fun learning how records are made and uh, music has such a very it's it's such a strong emotional reaction for the world i've seen music just make people go insane i've seen music make people cry i've seen you know all the product of somebody like pouring their heart out onto a microphone or an instrument (laughs) into a computer (laughs) it's kind of a surreal thing it's definitely the most magical art form i've ever experienced in my life
0: yeah. Well, yeah. you're just so talented at it, and I feel like it's just come so naturally to you to be able to explore all different ways of being a part of the music industry.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you have to. The, the music industry nowadays, is, is it's very difficult to try to just get away with doing one thing. That doesn't mean you have to do everything, but as an engineer, I know that the term engineer is very broad these days. I was going to um,
0: say, how do you define yourself as an engineer?
1: Yeah. I mean... My focus in the studio was recording prim- primarily in production, um, but there's like 10 different things you can do as an engineer. So it's very broad and learning or dabbling in all of those different aspects is important, but there's a lot of projects and things you can do within that realm. So um, I always found myself kind of being a jack of all trades on top of the performing and um, and then also like volunteering for you know local nonprofits and helping you know other businesses grow with consultation and figuring out technicality it's a, it's a really big job you know one day i'm helping planning a sound system for a space another day i'm recording you know a record with somebody and the other day i'm helping somebody produce their show their live show it's always different
0: i feel like if i was a person in omaha and i heard that there is a recording studio here I feel like a lot of people would be like, how does a recording studio even make money in Omaha? Cause there's not that many musicians to be making money off mm-hmm. of. So talk to me about who your clientele is, why it's important that that studio is in Omaha and like what it, what it brings to the community here.
1: Yeah, I mean that studio, you know, from my experience working there, it was a very unique and very difficult, it was very difficult to try to keep that business in business um, and it's still in business it's not an easy feat we saw a lot of studios appear and disappear t- during the time i've been working in them and uh there's very few that kind of remain unscathed a little b- i shouldn't say unscathed but just like through the battle um but our clientele is a huge range i mean within the, the first two years of make please business they they got nominated for a grammy and now they're on their fourth nomination this year as i'm saying this um, oh,
0: I didn't know that. Who is it for?
1: First two were for Terrace. The second one was for Rhapsody. And then this one is, it's for Terrace. It's Terrace Martin's Drones. Yeah, it so got nominated sick. for the Best R&B, Progressive R&B Record. These things are just, um, they're nice achievements to handle a studio, but there's also a day-to-day. And there's also a lot of work that comes into making that that building become what it is um, make believe themselves have actually, um, become a software company. Um, they've branched into that realm. It's always been in the vision. It's something that was kept secret for a long time. Um, but we've been working with this company out of Florida, um, and they they're called Metric Halo. They've been doing amazing things and they've actually just released their first pieces of software out in the audio realm. And surprisingly, it's doing amazing, like way better than I could ever imagine. That's um, so
0: exciting. Who knew that that was coming out of Omaha?
1: Yeah, it's coming straight out of Omaha. And I think it's just another another answer and another realm of the music industry that to pop up and exist in the city. Um, as of right now, I know of one other music software company that exists in the city. So it's nice to have an, another one pop up because we need more music tech around here. But that's just another byproduct of what the studio and what a lot of studios could take note of. But Make Believe is, is, is definitely venturing into many forms and many things and in, in music software is their, their main highlight right now. So I really think that's their their key and their, and their goals and their ambitions right now to make, make their brand grow and last.
0: If you're just joining us, I'm talking with musician and producer Keith Roger, otherwise known as Kethro. Join the conversation on social media Follow Riverside Chats on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or call in with a brief voicemail to 402-881-0089 for a chance to be featured on an upcoming show. Mm -hmm. So recently, you've also started at the Bemis Center for Contemporary Arts. And when I heard about that, I was like, how cool that Keith gets to keep expanding Mm -hmm. your knowledge as a sound engineer but also with artists and to really kind of like test those waters of merging, not just music and the art that exists there, but also Mm -hmm. the visual art and getting to collaborate with so many people from around the world, really. yeah. Uh, So I wanted to talk a little bit about that switch, because I think that is just so interesting.
1: The Bemis. Yeah. Um, I joined the Bemis in 2022, right right around the top of the year. Um, They had a great opportunity open and something that um, kind of fulfilled a a really cool like, goal of mine. I've always wanted to run a space like that. Um, and Rachel Adams, who is the curator of events for the Low End space within the Bemis, was happy to bring me on board and it's been a really cool experience. So they have a, a, a venue called Low End. It's mainly focused on bringing in talent from around the world based in the experimental music realm and like sound art music. And I wouldn't necessarily even say sound art, music, just sound art. Um, but it's really interesting to see because there's no other place like it in the tri-state area. Maybe one of the very few in the region. And um, what we do is by bringing this talent in, we also have a residency program where we allow um, an individual come in you know, once every quarter to work on their personal project and present that in the low-end space. Um, and that kind of is a new, very, very new thing that they launched late 2019. So we all know that kind of went, you know, in the following years, it, it had a few roadblocks and things, but now we're like full steam ahead and we have some amazing talent coming through. Like I'm very excited to experience this year. Um, there's artists that I've always dreamed of working with and bringing them to Omaha. And, and there's, a, I think there's something beautiful in the realm of experimental music and I think there's even something we can learn very deeply from sound art and a lot of people are kind of unaware of what sound art is yeah
0: yeah differentiate what you mean by yeah. experimental music <laughs> sound art and then how that's different from your normal music
1: right it's a huge range and it's very hard to describe a lot of the artists I've experienced that consider themselves sound artists think of sound as, as something that is invoking emotion much like music but very more uh, dedicated to whether a certain subject or certain object or using certain tools to express their sounds. Um, we may have seen it in like very small forms, like people who perform in, with water and crystal glasses. I was just going to say know? that people are
0: making their own <laughs> instruments.
1: Yeah. There's a certain type of individual that feels like they can express sound with many more things than the instruments that were given or seen on television, like they, they really build these things from scratch and they want to express themselves. Like I saw, we had this artist Fujita from Japan. He built his own organ. Yes, organ.
0: that's what I was talking about. It was yeah. so cool. It was such an incredible show.
1: Yeah, from scratch, it was amazing to see like raw elements and he's making these beautiful like tones and sounds and melodies from that just using his arms, you know, and... Um, he, he he's a very very smart individual and just even talking to him even we had a language barrier he can just tell that he's an engineer at heart you know so it's really amazing but people were fascinated by this you know another uh one of our artists in residence that we had she she brought in some incredible uh instruments where she used ceramics like clay to build uh flutes her name is Ana Paula Santana. Oh, yes, yes Ana, Paula. Ana Paula. And she, she just built these all these old different instruments from clay and, and, and ceramic and made them look very beautiful and used uh, like air pressure to create these different tones. And I, I could never like put something together like that. I don't think about sound like that. So it really kind of brings you out of your, not comfort zone, but just out of like your own box or your own, your own zone that you think music is made from. And it gives you this new idea of like, oh, really, like the kids beating on the tables had something to say or like the people using saws and bows have something to say. And the people building flutes and organs, they have something to say with their music as well and and their craft and their talent.
0: I feel like whenever I leave a low end show, I'm always more in tune with the sounds around me. Mm hmm. I'm more intentional about my listening habits, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Absolutely. Where can people find out when the next low-end shows are?
1: Yeah, so if you want to find that out, just go on the Bemis Center's website, bemiscenter.org, and we have all of our programming on there from what we do on our main floors and our galleries as well as in the low-end space. Um, We also host all of our content online too, so if you want to check out some of previous shows and experience some artists, please do. It's all up there. Um, and you'll you'll experience everything. We got musicians that come and play too. We have bands and we have a lot of sound artists. It's a very broad range of folk. So it's a beautiful venue. It You feel like you're in a cave. It looks like a cave. Um, and uh, Sean Ward, the artist who designed the space, did a very good job on that. And we're constantly making upgrades. So this year we have even more things are going to pop up in the space that make you feel like you want to just like kind of live there. Maybe you feel like you're a bat in there or something.
0: I saw that the best advice that you've ever received was to transcend the culture scape. And I want yeah. to know who told you that and what does that mean to you?
1: I made that up.
0: <laughs> you told it that to came, yourself?
1: That came from my my brain. Yeah.
0: It sounded like something you would say. Yeah. So tell us about that.
1: It's The culture scape turn actually came from a book I read but transcending the culture scape was something I branched from that. Like a culture scape is, is like your environment and landscape combined into one and the people there that influence on top of those things. And I feel like if you can figure out how to evolve everything, like in that realm, then you're transcending it into something better. And I really do feel like our city culturally has a lot of room for growth and it needs to grow. It's not necessarily a problem or an issue. It just feels like we're kind of a few steps back and we see it through the black mirrors in our phones. but we we're not tend to, like we're not really there yet. It's like we're seeing the future in our phones, with with what the other culture scapes are doing in other regions and places in the world. And there's always that grass is greener theory, but I don't like to look at the world like that. It's very, especially from my travels and what I've seen in the world so far, a lot of stuff is very similar, but the people make it really unique. So I think by that is trying to remind people that you can dress really loud or you can create sound art, or you know, um, if you're a kid and you're unsure that music is your future, well, there's a lot of things in music that you can create your future in, um, so i just feel like I'm here to try to convince people of that and like teach people that you know. Um, I know a lot of kids who grew up in this city where your only choices are something like in the creative world because you may not necessarily have the funds or like the skills to become a lawyer or whatever. Maybe a lawyer for like um, certain a certain type of law, but maybe music law is your thing and that's just not accessible here like you can't do it <laughs> like it's not possible um you have to go to another city to learn that mm-hmm. um and i think that's troubling i think the fact that people who grow up and hear the word manager um they never think that that is possible in music but we need music managers more than ever i need a manager <laughs> you know i um, know a lot of people that need managers um Especially musicians and and people that want to turn their art into a real business.
0: It's really hard to find that education.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Like, I mean, even when I was going, when I was touring, like you said, it's it's really a culture shock to kind of make that shift. But then when you're trying to learn on the road, you really have to have, like you said, the faint. And for me, tennis, Mm -hmm. people who've been through it and are willing to be patient and teach you that thing, those things. Because otherwise, there's no really handbook, good handbook out there for any... Music business roles,
1: yeah well and the ones that do exist they're not bad but they change so often and it's mm-hmm. i don't want to read the same book every year for 25 years mm-hmm. you're gonna have to go out there and figure it out and, it's a doing yeah and it is it's not a make your own rules kind of industry but there are a lot of unwritten rules so it makes it really interesting to to ask myself like what do you do in this situation? And that's where your peers come in really strong. But most of my peers I call don't live in Omaha. They live in New York or in LA or Mexico city. They're not here. And I, that's troubling. I wish I can go knock on a lot of people's doors to get answers. Maybe I get stuff done a lot faster, <laughs> you know?
0: Instead so of plain phone tag.
1: Yeah, exactly. Or
0: being like, what time is it at this, in this place right now? Again? Oh
1: yeah, for sure. You know, but it's interesting. Even people from, Those markets call me too, which is maybe explains why people with my expertise and background tend to uh, leave Omaha and go to those places because they know their worth out there. Um, And that, you know, that's another thing where it's a very, it's very appealing for a lot of people to do who come from my background (laughs) is to stay in a place that, um, they go to a place where their, their calling is, or they feel like they can get. A little bit more done with their their skill set
0: i'm talking with musician keith roger otherwise known as kethro about the omaha music economy stay tuned for the rest of the conversation after this break welcome back to riverside chats i'm maria corpus you can subscribe and hear previous episodes of this show on apple spotify stitcher or whatever your favorite app is Today, I'm talking with Keith Roger, who performs as Kethro, about the state of Omaha's local music scene. Here is the rest of our conversation. What do you think the benefit is for musicians to be staying in Omaha? Like, why are you still in Omaha? And what does Omaha need to do to be able to, I mean, maybe not compete with L.A. or New York City, but maybe Chicago or Detroit or some of those cities?
1: For sure. The reason why I'm still here is because I grew up looking at blank walls and seeing every inch of it being covered in something like a, acrylic paint or aerosol, like metaphorically speaking. Like when I look at bare land, I, I see what the future of it could be. I see maybe parks and sidewalks and buildings and and I walk around the city a lot and I watched it transform very, very quickly through Midtown and Benson and Dundee. Like I spent a lot of time in these places and I've watched them change so often. And I think that gives me a lot of hope to saying that the whole grassroots element of this city is, is a very beautiful thing. And I think we can always find our place here doing what we're doing. Um, but in my role, in my realm with music, it's there's a huge lack of industry here. So it does force me to have to be in other places. And I think for a lot of people that, want to accomplish certain goals. It's just not impossible. My job as an engineer is like, I can, it's very broad so I can go to a lot of different things. But if you are a guitarist or if you're a singer, there's not a lot of options. If you're a jazz band, or if you're trying to become the next Slipknot, you can't just do that from here because we don't have the infrastructure to project you to the um, places and with, with the, the type of industry to really get you to where you need to go as as a creative force and as a business.
0: What would need to happen to get that infrastructure here?
1: I think really we need to convince not so much convince but just bring more awareness to these large companies, like the big labels and these these big conglomerates to say hey, like we have space here too. I know that you're you're seeing certain markets and you see you look at numbers and statistics, but what about establishing things and growing with the generation. I know there's people here that could be really talented in the music industry. And if you just gave them the place where, like if a management company came and based out of here, or if a record label decided to hold their, like a distribution company came here, and they ran all their distribution out of a warehouse, that's...
0: Which would make sense, because we're in the middle of the country.
1: Middle of the country. Like, we can easily just send anything anywhere. There's so many things within just the, the sound industry that is just lacking. We have, there's no video game companies. There's no, um, there, there's not a lot of recording studios. There's not a lot of, um, we're starting to get a lot of venues and a lot of performance places. And I don't think we've ever had an issue with that. But, um, and I really praise that. That's like the industry that is always thriving and I think should definitely continue to grow. But we are missing these other, These other realms. And it would be nice to see these parts of the industry come in and and just give this place a chance and grow with it. Give it a decade. I'm seeing it happen with tech companies. And I'm seeing. um,
0: Yeah, we have like Google here now.
1: Yeah, you know, they're building like very important facilities here. But I'm even seeing like Patreon has an office here. It's right here in downtown Omaha. And we have Huddle and we have these beautiful, like these companies that just are doing. Really incredible things for the world, so I I would just love to see, you know, maybe those companies get in the music realm. Just take a foot here, just put a foot down, open up the small office, just see how it goes. And and we have a lot of talent that we can feed through here, and we're in between major cities too. We need to fill that gap. A a lot of talent I know that come from Chicago to Denver, they always stop in Omaha.
0: Oh, Omaha's always on the list. Even I just got a text a few weeks ago saying. From a manager, that was yeah. like, "Hey, my musician's gonna be rolling through Omaha. Mm-hmm. Where can they record stuff?" Yeah, gave them a list of all the friends who have recording places.
1: Yeah, that's that's it. And because even
0: if they're not gonna play a show here, right, it, you definitely have to at least pass through and maybe take take a night here.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, why can't we be a place? You know, yeah. I'm not saying Omaha needs to become a Nashville or anything of that. We just need to be able to be accessible. To, to the region and there's a lot of great talent that pops up out of here and in iowa and in kansas and the dakotas and in the mid throughout the midwest like it's there's an incredible amount of talent and a lot of those people feel like they have to go to the other side of the country just to be able to get a start and in that there's all the issues with that is living and just trying to survive
0: and to break through all the noise out in those bigger cities. I which feel just, like too.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, and if we can just have somebody that just feed quick, quick feed through the industry, which is not, I mean, the internet and YouTube are, are those things too. Don't get me wrong. We have some great heavy hitters that started out in the internet and got their deals, but they all left. Mm-hmm. They couldn't exercise. Mm-hmm. Their talents and really grow the way they needed to grow by staying here. And they they all went to L.A. So, you know, and L.A. is always going to be that place. But with how rapid this industry has changed, especially after the last two three years, we're really starting to see that it can happen and sustain itself in other places. So, I, since
0: it changes so rapidly, tell me about one or some positive things that you've seen change throughout the years
1: here in Omaha. Or just in Omaha, in Omaha. Um, I think in Omaha, I mean, the best part is we're starting to see a lot more infrastructure pop up. And that's a huge plus. I tell, mean,
0: tell us what you mean when you say infrastructure.
1: Like the steel house, you know. Um, I really do feel like we needed an answer to a venue of that size. Low end. We needed a place for a certain type of talent that would never come here otherwise. Um, the admiral, the reconstruction of that place that place needed a revision for many years and i feel like now artists come through and we're viewed as oh this is like a really refreshing place it looks great it feels great the the talent here is amazing those three places alone are going to make a huge difference difference in the next decade when it comes to just talent coming mm-hmm. through and even seeing omaha for what it is but now we need to accomplish that in the other realms you know now where's the post production? Where's the movie people? Why can't Netflix build a spot here? We have the space. We have a lot of people here, and a lot of people want to make movies. How many friends do you have that make YouTube, anything?
0: I mean, you can even just go with TikToks.
1: Yeah, TikToks, <laughs> YouTubes. Yeah. And think and YouTubes. YouTubes, all the YouTubes. <laughs> but you know, we all have friends that like to make that content, and you know, if we grew up knowing that that place existed for us to go. You would see the hyper focus, you know, when we see it in a lot of other industries here, whether it's agriculture or uh, medical, even with law, there's people here that will grow up and they just know like automatically, like I can do this in Omaha. And every creative that grows up here, they're like, make it out of high school. And then we're going to AI in Chicago, or I'm going to Parsons in New York. It's not even second thought. on trying to make it building it here. And then there you are know, like places like Omaha fashion week and stuff they they They've created so many incredible talent, but the ones that really excel, they- They're in New York. They're in New York, you know, we can't even get them back. We can't even get them back to come show their clothes. They're, they're in a different realm. I'm not trying to say anything negative about it. It's just, we, we definitely need, these these platforms here do exist. Another positive, yeah, Omaha Fashion Week. You just even in fashion realm, it's, that's been, the owners of that place, they bought their own space. They now navigate in their own facility. They they literally create that whole thing in one building. It's not have to be spread out in the city or anything of that nature. I love what's happening in Lincoln with Lincoln calling. How many how many times have they booked a headliner act that ended up blowing up like years later? It's like they get all the heavy hitters before they get like top billboard charts. I saw Charlie XEX there.
0: I did too. I
1: think I was with you yeah. actually. Like I saw her there playing in a room of like 500 people and it was good or SZA same thing with SZA like SZA's going on an arena tour you know those tickets are going to be insane but I'm saying it's like these people like in these cities are doing a really good job on finding this talent we can really see that far in the future when it comes to this music stuff you know and I don't mean to say that to be like degrading or I'm not trying to offend anybody I just mean in the term like metaphorically with like this music industry like we have the the best key players in the game i really do feel that way and we just need to be seen and heard that's it give us a chance
0: (laughs) omaha had a just such a strong jazz scene because of the uh the railroad up Mm -hmm. do you see any lasting effects from from that time
1: yes it's always going to be strong here Mm -hmm. that's how i see it when i meet a lot of people that come from a certain time and certain decades in the jazz realm um, that's definitely been the style of music that's changed the most dramatically because i feel like at one point it was the hottest music in the city and now it's kind of viewed as the most classical form of music in the city but it still has its huge respect when i go to sunday nights to see luigi inc at mr toad's like majority of the room is young people, 20s and 30s, like going there to hang out. And that's like their culture and what they love to do. And it's always in a rotating field of people. It's not the same. There's a few of us that are there a lot and because that's our industry night, but majority of the crowd there is going there to experience something new. It's because it's the only escape outside of like walking into a bar and hearing a top 40 DJ or anything. And No offense to that, but there's a lot of that, you know? people who want something different. And that's their answer to something different. Um, So I feel like that's not necessarily what jazz has become, but the amount of outlets have kind of been minimal. Therefore, we haven't seen the amount of explosion that it should have on like a a Kansas City where you toss a rock and you can see a jazz band at KC. Mm -hmm. um, And a lot of great talent (laughs) uh, that we hear in Omaha are coming up from Kansas City as well. So um, they kind of hold the crown right now, but we're, we're following suit and we're doing a good job.
0: If you're just joining us, I'm talking with musician and producer Keith Roger, otherwise known as Kethro. Join the conversation on social media, follow Riverside Chats on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or call in with a brief voicemail to 402-881-0089 for a chance to be featured on an upcoming show. I think you and uh, Neil Duffy are also doing a really great job of uh, getting young people just excited about jazz music again. How you said, like, I think you two have done a really great job with your jazz nights when COVID hit and the playlist you've made and are still updating. Mm -hmm. How can people listen to that if they're interested in listening to your picks for jazz?
1: Word is bond and myself. Um, We really took that seriously in 2020. We definitely felt like as djs we're the only two cats besides the wonderful people on npr um playing jazz music oh yeah in in the streets like we were literally playing it online but also like in the streets and in the clubs and we took big risks doing that because sometimes it would just like make the room be like what is going on and then over and over again we've kind of proved that like That's what people, people didn't know they wanted that. But yeah, so over time, you know, we've done 58 consecutive shows. And then we still continue to express ourselves by doing these like curated events with with us playing jazz music. Um, We collaborate with Luigi Inc. for those shows. And we also um, have a Spotify playlist, J-A-Z-Z-N-I-T-E on Spotify and also uh, Amazon and YouTube. So you can always find us in all the adventures. And we just try to like update these things to keep people sharp. Our audience is young people. Like we want to, we want like people that aren't really into jazz to enjoy it and enjoy that music and its history. So that's our goal. The jazz police are real. And uh, (laughs) I'm not, I'm not like with those cats and all due respect, like they know their stuff, but at the same time, like, yeah, I play a lot of like, as a DJ, like I play a lot of dance music and Electronic music and stuff, but jazz are my roots, and I don't want people to forget that. So, if I can get those kids that love, you know, drum and bass and jungle and uh, techno and stuff to like enjoy a jazz record, um, I think I've done something pretty cool.
0: So, we kind of touched on this earlier, but tell me what your dream is for Omaha's music scene, and what are some actual next steps that our city and community can take in the next few years to get to this vision?
1: Yeah. Um, by dream for the Omaha music scene, I want to see more um, institutions incorporate music into their what they're doing, um, and that's institutions that already exist. I would love to see more music programs for the youth be created. I think it just starts with um, trying to allow, like at least some people or a group of people within the organization to to explore what's out there, and maybe that that starts with you know, a simple internet search <laughs> will, is a good start. But, um, others is just going out there and talking to the community, you know? And I think a lot of companies nowadays are starting to uh, realize that they need an employee or some employees that or the only jobs are just doing community engagement. And I think music needs to be a part of that engagement. I don't think it should be something forgotten. Um, also, I think within that, if you can be able to have the awareness, maybe these companies and these institutions and organizations could figure out how to incorporate those things into what, with what they're doing, whether that's um, purely from an entertainment perspective, but also mainly to try to get the ball rolling on, on certain opportunities that can work. So for example, you know, I see a lot of organizations, that uh, are just starting to allow music in their platforms, like the Bemis is a great example. It's like they built low end, they started the Sound Residency Program because they realize like audio is an important thing that's happening in the world, and it's something that they have the means to do. Um, Amplify Arts, they're doing the same thing, you know, they're giving grants to musicians. They're giving instead of you know, as well as uh, their visual artists, they're, they're also adding music into that realm. Um, Omaha Performing Arts, they're starting an education program for, um, to specifically teach hip hop music to the youth. So I think taking note of these three things is a good start and to see, well, how can, if you think to yourself, like, how can I do that with what I'm doing? You know, um, how can I bridge the gap between my industry in the music industry. Um, and it would just be really great. I know tech companies have the ability to do it. I know even even the health organizations have the ability to do it. Um, we have friends out there that purely you know, play music as a healing factor for certain patients. Music therapy is what they call it. Mm-hmm. There's so many things that you can involve music with. And, and if we just create those things, they, they can create new opportunities to grow and blossom into a really great job opportunity and really great growth opportunity and create a venture, yes, like, and and create the next wave of entrepreneurs. Like we can have the Warren Buffett of music in Omaha. You know, I'm I'm hearing a lot of like cities, especially their cities, governments are doing a very good job on bringing the arts into making their cities not only look beautiful but sound beautiful. Take Kansas City, for example. You know, you go downtown every every business and every corporation even the hotels and the big chains they have a very unique like visual art perspective but a lot of these places when you walk in you hear talent and you hear really great music curation or you hear things happening where you know you're just like wow you know i didn't know i can walk in here and put my bags down and go catch a show cuz these are really important things these feed the culture these teach our tourists that we have like really great culture here and we have diversity, and we have these these people with these great talents here, um, from all different walks of life. When I travel to places, people in New York ask me like, "Do you have electricity?" <laughs> like, "Yo, yo, we're not
0: corn." People <laughs> are like, "So, you do you do you grow corn?" I'm always you... like, "Well, I do, but not. I'm not like most people."
1: Yeah, you know, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm not Listen, like most Nebraskans. I have a
1: yard. I grow corn. But listen, I have these other things. I have internet connection, okay? Yeah. I know <laughs> and
0: it. I do live in the
1: city. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to be able to to defeat these weird random stereotypes. And I want people to know like, that we really do exist out here. And we're doing something very unique.
0: Uh, I want to get back to being a DJ. Okay. Uh, what do you love and hate about being a DJ?
1: DJs are really unique people. I can't speak for all of them, but I know a lot of them. And a lot of DJs get into it for a lot of different reasons. Um, I got into it because I love musicology, like growing up with my mother and reading the backs of her CDs and the, who produced this and who made that and how is that whiplash sound made as a snare and that Wu-Tang record. Like, there's these things that my brain were always curious about. I learned about like the history of countries based upon the music that they make. So that's always been exciting. And for me to transfer that knowledge into like a DJ set is the best way to educate the rooms that I'm in that this stuff exists um, in various forms. And I also love helping people dance. I think dancing is like a form of therapy. It's it's proven time and time again that it just like cures the masses. So I really do feel like um, if I can be a sonic wizard doctor or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> maybe turntables is like- bio. my my, yeah maybe turntables and turntablism is my my instrument to do that with and it just and that's the things i love about it i really do love discovering and listening to music new and old i'm constantly digging i'm constantly searching it never gets old it's quite an addiction and i think that's what brings me to the cons of it is it really does take (laughs) over your life like most good djs have a really big problem with they're either like extreme collectors you walk in their house and they got a billion records i guess some cons though it's like when you're trying to help people they don't treat you like they're helping you some people are very demanding or some people expect us to be kind of more of a gesture like we're there to dance around and play the
0: song request i want
1: that's okay too that's never been like a huge problem it also depends on the request you know but you know i think the thing is is Sometimes I get treated like I'm not important when a lot of people that are there are there to hear me play that music. Like people don't go to certain established just to stand around and do nothing. They want to dance. They want to have a good time. I don't know. We're just looked at as like puppets and we're not. We're curators or like we're selectors. We're like the wizards of sound. Like we we have we think about these things a lot. We put a lot of time into it. And I just feel like sometimes we're treated like we are just a a Spotify playlist (laughs) you know. and that's not what we are. Um, That's the only con though. It's a fun, it's a fun hobby. You know, I treat it as a hobby. I'd probably feel differently if it was an actual job. Full-time job. job. Yeah, and and there's some DJs that it is a full-time job and all due respect to those cats, they really put in the work.
0: So this is uh, maybe the most in- important question of the interview. Yeah. Because uh, I did ask our good friend, Connie Franco. I said, if you could ask Keith one question on oh, wow. public radio, what, what are we going to ask him? And I had this on my list. So he it's just endorsed by him. Mm-hmm. Um, but we want to know uh, when your music's coming out.
1: My music?
0: Yeah. I know you create your music. Omaha
1: doesn't know I make music.
0: Well, now they do.
1: They, no- they don't know I make music. I got some stuff coming out. I really wasn't going to promote that or, or push it as of right now, but I've been making a lot of stuff um, and working with a lot of people. The hard drive is full. It's definitely been a long process. I've always put others before myself, which is why I haven't come out with the project yet, but um, a lot of people owe me musical favors. <laughs> so I've been exercising a lot of that in the past couple of years, and people have been helping me out accomplish like, the best things players from like, like my favorite musicians and people I absolutely love listening to are saying yes to helping me make my project now. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely in the works. Um, I have, I have some great people behind it, but I just think
0: just how to put the pressure on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I want to concentrate on, on helping the city grow in a lot of aspects. And I think music may for me when it does release will maybe be, um, kind of like another form of my expression on top of that just to remind people that i i'm in it too and that i'm actually for real like oh yeah you make music too? like yeah man
0: i know you kind of touched on this but what are the uh boards that you're on and, and yeah. the work that they're doing for the music community here
1: yeah so this year i joined two groups amplify arts which i'm very happy to be a part of that that, that organization i've known about them for very long time. They do incredible things for artists. I'm really glad that it can bring a music perspective to what they're doing. Basically, you know, helping them run that ship. So, you know, if you're an artist out there and you're looking for a grant to help make your project go, especially if you're a musician, please look into that. I would love to hear and experience what you have. Um, The other group I'm in is the NOMA, North Omaha Music and Arts Organization. Great group of individuals. They are in the space where the Love Jazz and Art Center used to be located. And their primary focus is to bring music and art and education to North Omaha and uh, its residents and the people that reside in that part of town. And um, them being so close to other organizations that are doing the same, I think it's going to become this beautiful collaboration of what's happening on 24th Street. And they're really, really working on on trying to gain funding at the moment to accomplish their goals, but they already have a space and we're already starting to do events. Um, I know that we're teaching music technology, like how teaching uh, people of all ages, how to use Ableton software and various other forms of software. So you can learn how to make music and those oh, classes are free. Yeah, With everything that I do, you know, I want to make it as accessible as possible for people to learn and experience music in all aspects and forms, whether that's through the, the education or, or learning how the technology works or just understanding history. Um, I want these things to become very, very easy to work with. So um, Noma's going to be a huge um, component of that. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be so exciting to see, you know, a 12-year-old girl just in there With an Ableton rig, trying to learn how to make beats, that cat might be the next, like, like the next superstar. I want kids to feel like they have a place to go, to be creative. I know that there's other places in town that have been doing it, Bellows. and um, Outer Spaces was one, Um, and we just want to follow suit on that. Um, I know Rip Outer Spaces. I know I miss it. Yeah, but it's nice because you know they laid a foundation of what we can do now. And NOMA is what they're doing. I feel like, you know, we can keep these these educational platforms growing for that particular realm. So 2023, I'm just looking to change this world, get more people aware that we actually make music. You know, the creek is not dry. All right. We are flowing. We're creating out here. We're really making something special.
0: So, if uh, people are looking to find more of your knowledge darts, yeah, where can they find you online?
1: I go by the alias Kethro. It's K E T H R O. Um, so, if you just search that in your in Google and you know uh, Instagram and all the social media except TikTok, uh, you can find me there. I'm always uh, very involved in the community. I always try to share events and things that are going on and especially the stuff i'm involved with and 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 friends as well so just hit me up on there i'm always around thank you so
0: much for joining us today
1: thank you maria thank you maria thank you so much
0: riverside chats was created by tom noblock and is a production of 91.5 kios omaha public radio the show is produced and edited by courtney bierman our original music is written and performed by the real Zebos. Our artwork is done by Ben Matukowitz. Remember, you can find the backlog of Riverside Chats episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Maria Corpus.